Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We are live in Nashville talking all things NFL draft today across the Outkick Network. Hour number two is here. Outkick 360 with you outside at 6th and Peabody. The Big Orange Caravan will be here. The University of Tennessee hosting their annual spring caravan event with head coach Josh Heupel, Rick Barnes, Danny White, Kelly Harper, and others. They'll be on hand a little bit later this afternoon and early evening. And we have a full NFL draft slate Armando Salguero joins us live from Las Vegas where he's providing coverage for Outkick.com. Live from Vegas where the NFL draft will officially get underway just after 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And we're having topics and discussion about the entire first round. We gave you our top 10 mock earlier in today's show. If you missed that, you can find that on podcast wherever you download your audio. Just search out Outkick 360. Shout out to Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine for providing uh, the great drinks on hand today, including Peyton's favorite Pilsner, which is on draft here, the seasonal draft here at Yeehaw Beer at 6th Fittingly and an orange Pilsner. Hun, before we get into our next draft topic, can I update everyone on an OutKick story oh, from yesterday? Yeah. Yes. So Trey Wallace has updated the great uh, paint thinner uh, uh, crime right. in Kansas. Between Kansas Wesleyan Baseball and Bethany College and NAI, the allegation was or the investigation was that one team put paint thinner in the water jug, the big Gatorade jug of water, of another team. Uh, We have new info now. It's not paint thinner. It was line paint used on the field. (laughs) And they are investigating two juveniles that were putting the line paint on the field for playing a prank and putting it into the water jug of the other team. So it seemed far-fetched in the beginning, that one team would try to poison the other the team other, yeah. in NAIA baseball. <laughs> By the way, two religious schools going head-to-head. Well, now it looks like it's a couple of dumb kids that were doing something stupid and put the line paint from the field into the water jug. I don't know. If it, should I say that's a better a better ending to this? Yeah, a better outcome. Well, it's better for both schools. And again, they they still sure. drink the line paint, whatever this well, is. Well, eight players, they kept going back to it. Oh. I mean, I'm guessing, though, I mean, look, if you put the line paint in the top, maybe it takes eight players to figure out, boy, it's starting to seep to the bottom, yeah. and now it's tasting weird, not thinking about to actually open up the top of the jug and see what's in there, and that's where we get the photo that you can see at OutKick.com. Armando Salguero joins us in 15 minutes. It's difficult to predict the positional runs. I think most people, like, let me say, when I say most people, we're looking at what Vegas where the Vegas odds are, and then where the reporting has been consistent. The consistency is at quarterback where it seems as though three quarterbacks will be selected tonight in the first round. Wide receiver, we could, we could see six, seven, maybe eight, depending on what happens at the very end of the first round. But it's tough to, to, to predict the runs on teams, Paul, because those teams 
multiple uh, eight teams have at least two first-round picks, meaning there are a number of teams who do not select tonight as we sit here right now. And that keeps a lot of teams from following a trend of what just happened two, three, four picks ahead of them. Yeah, eight teams with multiple picks, eight teams with no picks. Um, and so, um, you know, those eight teams with no picks, I think highly unlikely to come into the first round. If they do come into the first round, it's going to be at the very bottom of the first round. Um, and conceivably for a quarterback, I don't know, the Colts are one of those teams. They're the only real quarterback needy team in, in there. A couple of those teams don't have first-round picks because they went and got a quarterback, the Browns, the Broncos, um, the Rams. So um, I, I agree with you. It would be harder to, to trigger things, though I think the wide receivers are set for a run as it is. Um, well, even, because even the teams with two first-round picks need wide receiver. Yeah, two of them need wide receiver because they dealt. Right wide receivers kansas city and and green bay though they and then they're the jets until the until the 20s yeah so um i'd like to run through these two pick teams just real quick to see if we think it's worth it for them to be out of the first round um well well let's let's go to the eight who aren't in it is it worth it for them not to be in the first round the bears made their move for justin fields i don't like justin fields but it's better to have gone after justin fields in my estimation than to to be going after these guys i agree Browns for, for Watson, certainly worth it. Yep. Broncos for Wilson, certainly w- worth it. Now, let me, let me go back to the Browns. It's worth it this year. They traded away like three future first-round picks for him. This year's draft, absolutely worth it. Let's get to year two or year see three where they don't have a first-round pick and see what I say. But for this year, the Browns don't need the first-round pick. Broncos, Russell Wilson, I think we'd all say worth it. Yep. Colts, Carson Wentz, I think we all definitely say not worth it based on what not they got out it. of him and the no. fact that he's not on their, their roster. Raiders, Devontae Adams, yes. worth yes. it. Rams, absolutely worth it. They won a Super Bowl because of the trade they made for Stafford. Dolphins, Tyreek Hill. Yes, yes. 49ers, Trey Lance, there's no way we can know. Well, I, I look. I, F them picks was the Rams mantra with that view, one. It was definitely worth it. I view the Dolphins and and the Raiders in the same situation. They're telling us they were going to draft wide receiver if they couldn't make this trade. Yeah. And would you rather around the young quarterback or in this case, in the Raiders case, when they made the trade, you had a year left on Derek Carr's contract. Are you building around the franchise wide receiver? The answer for both of these teams is yes, and it's the right call based on their quarterback. I'm situation. a little bit torn. If you can afford it, uh, for, for me, uh, you know, they're otherworldly wide receivers. But if we see two out of the top three receivers come out of the gates and play like Jamar Chase, uh, then you say, well, you could yeah, have had a super productive guy on a rookie contract instead of paying him $20 million a year. It, I understand it's based on the situation. But Jamar Chase would be great no matter where he ended up. And it just so happens that he's with Cincinnati and his former quarterback. I get it. But I don't know if there's that wide receiver this, this year, draft. like yeah. Chase, who's a surefire top five pick, Fair. no matter who, even if Cincinnati passed on him, right? Like, I, I, it's hard to grade this crop to Adams and to Hill based on their production. 49ers with Trey Lance, we can't know. And it's still, it's a trade that's weird to me because yeah. they moved up and they, they didn't know who they wanted. Yep. You know, because when they moved up, we all thought they were taking Mac Jones. So that was a weird trade to me. I but, agree. And but, they still have 
Jimmy G yeah. on their they roster they got right to get now. rid of him somehow. Let me give you an outside-the-box run on position okay. early in the draft. What if the offensive tackles, what, what if Charles Cross, Evan Neal, Aquanu are all in the top eight picks or seven or eight picks? Does that force a, a tackle-needy team to trade up to get Trevor Penning? Yes. For instance, from Northern Iowa. Could it be the fact that three of the top eight picks are offensive tackle and suddenly the run is, it's the third tackle, is the start of the run, and the run continues with Dallas, for instance, trading up to make sure they get Penning. So are you, are, in this situation, are you saying Seattle selects the third tackle, right? Yes. In the top ten. There's also – Or somebody. There is a, there's a scenario, I think, where – the Panthers don't go. You and I think they go quarterback. Panthers don't go quarterback until they go tackle. tackle. So and you have three tackles in the top six, six in that in that scenario. Well, that, but, but see, then Seattle could be the next group, uh, the next team that really. That's where they go pinning or the next tier. And that could then, be a fourth in the top. Then you force it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. The the next team in line for me at tackle after Seattle is Baltimore, and that hinges on. The, the health of their offensive line. But Baltimore at 14, I don't know if they necessarily would have to move up to get the next guy in line if there's a run on that position. But that it tackles the run other than potentially we could see three pass rushers off the board of the first three picks. Yeah, I don't think that Penning sets anything off. I mean, I think somebody might make a jump to go get Penning because I think Penning's kind of That's, in a class of his own. Yep. Because Bernard Raymond isn't getting me excited out of Central Michigan, and he's graded more like a first-slash-second. Tyler Smith out of Tulsa is absolutely raw. I know Titans fans are scared of him uh, in, a, in a big way. The Dylan Radins, anyone? Yeah. And after that, you know, you're getting into that Daniel Fiali or whatever from Minnesota, Abraham Lucas. Those guys are, are Petit Frere, who I think you've got some interest in, Chad. Are, are very much next-tier guys. But I think it sets Penning up for, for a good spot. I think Penning's set up well no matter what because he's the fourth first-round tackle. Yeah, and, and he's got attitude that people he's like. The fourth, here's why he's set up well, because he's a first-round pick, but he could potentially be a top-15 selection because of the, the value of the position this year because the quarterbacks aren't there, Right. And the wide receivers, it seems like there's just a group of them. If you don't love Jamison Williams or Garrett Wilson, there's a group of wide receivers that could go in a number of different orders. Yeah, and I think Penning's a left tackle, right? I mean, he yes. might start as a right tackle, but he's a left tackle with monster attitude. Yeah, his aggressiveness that's a, that's a is what That's why I think a lot of people have paired him with Baltimore. Yeah. The guy I keep seeing go to Baltimore, and this is going to come up uh, again, is is Davis. And he's a very Baltimorean type. That's who I have them there. I think it's a perfect pick for for Baltimore. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, But uh, Penning fits the mold of that. If you're describing a Baltimore Ravens player, it's Trevor Penning. Yeah, that's a Marshall Yanda to him. Yes. It's crazy all the talk about Penning, that he was just a complete jerk to everyone at the Senior Bowl. And it's basically by your preference. You know, some teams are going to love that part about him yeah. where he feels slighted and he's not going to take anything from anyone, and other teams are going to think, this guy's going to walk into my locker room and rub everyone the wrong way and not be a great teammate. The runs on positions, though, at the back end of the first round, totally unpredictable because that's where you have Kansas City and 
Green Bay, and they're sandwiched in between some teams that are either picking for the second time tonight or very uh, positional needy teams, like the Titans need offensive line or wide receiver, not necessarily corner or safety, right? Like if you think about runs and where they could go, it's it makes it very unpredictable. And, there, and I think there will be a couple of teams. You're like, they just they selected uh, who? Why they went with this guy? Yeah, and, and it's is, because of the need of the position, not necessarily the run at the player. Is there a mini quarterback run there? If if the quarterbacks don't go too, you could see two or three. Is that a run? I don't not, see, in this draft. It would feel like a run. I, me, I know I there's think. always one or two quarterbacks that teams are willing to trade up for. If I am in that range of the back end of the first round. By, by the time we get there, I think there's only one guy that teams are clamoring for, and then once that trade's made to go draft a Matt Corral or if Kenny Pickett slides. Or Ritter. Or, or Ritter. Then, you know, at, at that point, we're done with the quarterbacks for the night. I don't know if there's a run at quarterback. What's your – so you're over under three and a half? I'm – And you're under? I'm under three and a half. I just I think don't know three. how to I think, feel the, I think it's though. perfect. I think three quarterbacks tonight in the first round. I think it's 3-2 with the third being Ritter. I don't think Corral gets drafted tonight. We will ask Armando Salguero that question. He is live in Las Vegas where tonight's NFL draft will be underway in just a matter of hours. Outkick has boots on the ground in Sin City where tonight the NFL draft gets underway for the first round. And uh, Armando will tell us who he believes Jacksonville is going to take. And he'll set the scene for us of what's going to be a beautiful backdrop for tonight's nationally te- televised event where the NFL just can't lose. Armando Salguero next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. NFL Draft tonight. Full coverage at OutKick.com with Armando Salguero as OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody here in Nashville. We go to Las Vegas, the site of the 2022 NFL Draft, and we say hello to Armando Salguero, NFL columnist for OutKick.com. Armando, we are extremely jealous of your setting, not necessarily your backdrop right now, um, but the setting of Las Vegas. And I know he's saying he can't hear us right now. Um, Ah. Now he can. Now he can. Um, Armando, give us the lay of the land and just uh, the anticipation there in Nevada for tonight's draft in Vegas. Oh, wow. So if you really want the lay of the land, so right in front of me is the Eiffel Tower restaurant with the fake Eiffel Tower uh, (laughs) from the Paris Hotel. There's this enormous pool in front of me. Right over here are the Bellagio Fountains, the Cosmopolitan, Yaria, Planet Hollywood, yeah, it's good right now, and I'm sitting at Bally's, and in three hours or so, I guess, uh, I'm going to walk over there and watch eight teams try to draft twice in the first round. I expect there to be a lot of movement up and down the board because, for one, Howie Roseman has two picks in the first round, and I doubt that when the night is over that will be the case. And I just think it's, it's a wide-open draft. We don't know at this hour for sure who the number one overall pick is going to be. 
we have a, specula a speculation, we have a speculative guess, but no one knows for sure. And that's weird because last year, Trevor Lawrence was the number one pick all day, every day, for three months before the draft. Armando Salguero with us again. Coverage at Outkick.com. The the sports books, the experts, where you are, say Trayvon Walker's the number one overall pick. Do you lean that way as you sit here right now, hours before the draft? Do you think Jacksonville is going Walker personally? So, do I think that that's what they're going to do? Yes, that's what I think they're going to do. Would I do that if I was fake GM Mondo? Uh, no, that's not what I would do, simply because I believe that kind of need production and you need it at a high level. And there are guys that play that position who are just as explosive, just as athletic and produce better. And I'm talking about Aiden Hutchinson. I'm talking about uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. I like those guys more, but... Obviously, I don't run an NFL front office, so I don't get a vote. What do you buy about the timetable for a team like Jacksonville with the number one pick in terms of when they uh, finished their last meeting and said, all right, this is, this is what we're going to do? Because it seems to make sense to take as much time as you need, but it also seems to make sense at a certain point to say, all right, we're done. Yeah, Paul, I think that that assumes a small thing, and that is that everyone's on the same page. And I'm not sure that when all was said and done, everyone was on the same page. Uh, I think that it's taken some massaging and some um, I, buttering guys up and convincing guys. You've got to remember, Doug Peterson went to the Super Bowl. They had two outstanding offensive tackles on either side to protect the quarterback. He doesn't have that right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. When Trent Baalke went to the Super Bowl with San Francisco, he brought in some pass rushers early on in the first round that looked a lot like Trayvon Walker. So you have two guys who are at the top of the organization and they are diametrically opposed as far as what's super important to get to the ultimate game. And I think that those two have had to have some collaborative meetings to reach what they will ultimately say is an organizational decision, but I think it took a while to get there. Do we still give Shad Khan the benefit of the doubt and act like he's a good owner? Because that seems to be the consensus from media members that he's better than what they've had, he's a good owner. I'm not seeing a lot of evidence of that right now. What say you, Armando? Well, Chad, the way I measure ownership is, um, first of all, do they provide the necessary resources to win and win big? And I would tell you that Shad Khan gets a check. He checks that box because he spends a lot of money and he's going to build a team, a, a brand new facility. And so good for him. Then I look at who are you hiring? Last year he made a... a a misstep with Urban Meyer. I think he's hoping to correct that with Doug Peterson, who, you know, by all accounts, was the most uh, accomplished head coach candidate on the market. 
he'd actually won a Super Bowl and he was available. And then the other thing is you avoid doing dumb stuff, not step into the potholes of ownership. Uh, the record for Shad Khan on that regard is mixed, I would say. So you want me to give the guy a grade? It's an incomplete, but he's headed, he's sitting right now at a C plus maybe. Armando Salguero, our guest on Outkick 360. I know you spoke with Jamison Williams and had the story at Outkick.com, Armando. Um, ultimately, uh, he's very confident on his rehab process from the torn ACL in the national championship game. How do teams view him versus how he views himself, where he's saying that he's running in the 4-4s right now as he starts to run again for the first time in weeks since the surgery? Um, do you, teams are going to trade up for him if they want him. That's how I view it. Do you view it the same way, and where do you think he ultimately ends up? I think he goes in the top ten. I think three receivers go in the top ten. And so, look, this offseason has been a wake-up call for teams uh, on the receiver front because you get a good one, they're going to be expecting to be paid after their third season like what they used to pay quarterbacks, and that's $20 million plus a year. Uh, some of them are now getting $30 million. Uh, Tyreek Hill is averaging $30 million a year. And so if you're going to have to do that, it makes sense to pick good receivers, outstanding prospects in the first round where you get five years with them to have control over your cost for those years and you're still getting, you know, top flight talent in an area where the NFL is geared toward, which is throwing the football and catching the football. That's how teams win now. And you can't catch the football unless you've got a great receiver. Over under three and a half quarterbacks tonight. Wow. Uh, so I go under. Um, look, <laughs> let's face it, Paul. Um, most years, someone told me yesterday, there's a scout that told me Davis Mills came out last year and was drafted by the Houston Texans out of Stanford, and he probably shouldn't have come out. I had someone tell me if he had come out in this draft class, he'd be the top quarterback of the draft class. Davis Mills right now is you know, a hopeful NFL talent, but it's not exactly lighting it up and no one's thinking that he's Justin Herbert, right? And so what I'm saying to you is, I don't think that speaks so much about Davis Mills. I think it speaks to the guys in this draft class. I will say this, I talked to Matt Corral yesterday. Very impressive young man. I love that guy. He's so impressive. And you know, that doesn't mean he's going to be a good player. But when you're talking about makeup and you're talking about um, the it factor, he drips the it factor. Armando, so cool you got Nick Casario to talk to you about Davis Mills and uh, his value over, over this time. Um, you're in Vegas. Let's gamble a little bit here, shall we? Between the Saints, Falcons, Panthers – Who's most likely to take a quarterback in the first round of this draft? 
I don't think the Panthers are going to take a quarterback. And, you know, we had this conversation, I think, was it last week? Or I, we had it at some point. Or maybe it wasn't with you guys. I've been talking to a lot of people lately. <laughs> the idea that Scott Fitter, the GM, the other day was talking about, they have the number six pick, by the way. And he was talking about he would be comfortable picking not one, but he's got two guys, he says, on his board who are quarterbacks that he would be comfortable taking number six overall. For reals? I mean, are you serious, dude? Do you expect me to believe this? There's no way that either Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, who are, you know, good prospects as quarterbacks, but they have holes, uh, that they are the sixth best player in this draft. It's just not feasible. And in talking to Je Daniel Jeremiah about it yesterday, the outstanding NFL draft analyst for NFL Network, said something that, you know, put it all into perspective. It's lying season. Armando Salguero, our guest, outkick.com, the website. What's, uh, what's your perception of uh, Sauce Gardner versus uh, Derek Stingley at, at this time? Any movement that might suggest... Uh, that, that Gardner's not first here, and how much has Stingley done that's overcome his quiet last two years? Yeah, I think Stingley is going to be a, you know, a guy that I'm not sure about top 10, but he's going to go in the top 15. And so if that, in your estimation, Paul, if that translates to he's overcome his quiet last two years, and the injury questions and durability questions, then yeah, he's done that because teams like him a lot. And it goes back to the NFL is about passing the football. And so everybody involved in the passing game and defending the passing game is important. And that means cornerbacks, obviously edge rushers, obviously quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Um, as far as sauce, that dude's got sauce. I saw him yesterday. Uh, I would say he was wearing about eighty to $100,000 worth of diamond jewelry. And I was like, that's cool. Because he was looking pretty great. It wasn't like, you know, the, the jerky kind of diamond jewelry. It made sense, including this Rolex watch that was just out of the ballpark awesome. He has a diamond sauce bottle. sauce bottle on his necklace tonight. He's got an iced-out sauce bottle that says sauce across like the a, bottle it's like a Chargers, on a necklace. a Chargers blue suit. He may be best dressed, and I haven't seen anyone else yet. Yeah, I saw someone yesterday was talking about how, uh, you know, he's a man press coverage guy, and he hasn't proven that he's an off, that he can, you know, be off coverage or zone and that in the NFL you have to do all three uh, to be a great lockdown corner because you've got to show quarterbacks different coverages. No, you don't. That's not true. You know, uh, the New England Patriots for like 20 years have been a man-press team, and Bill Belichick has done okay. Armando, I can't – everyone in this first round, it makes it exciting this first round because there's so many question marks about all the prospects and what teams are going to do, but 
The one player that I've yet to find a negative word written about is Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. But the question mark with Hamilton is just how valuable is his position in today's NFL. What are you hearing about Hamilton, and have you been able to find a negative word written about this kid? No, I mean, there's been some, you know, the durability question and so forth. But the one thing that everyone says about Kyle Hamilton is that when he comes into your locker room, it won't be long before he is the face of the defense. That's a guy that will lead. That's a guy that guys will rally around. And he plays football the right way. He prepares for football games the right way. Uh, Yeah, the negative comments on Kyle Hamilton, few and far between. Jordan Davis obviously did wonders for his stock at the Combine. Super athletic for a guy, a giant. Um, But I've got got hesitation about a guy that that has been – Largely a run stopper, wasn't used in, in passing situations, seems like a two-down guy. You think he turns into more of a three-down guy at the NFL level, level and is a pass rusher? Or you think a team like Baltimore that might take him 15th is fine with a two-down run plugger who might set a tone early not on early downs? What's, what's your view of Jordan Davis? Yeah, so before I answer the question, Paul, what reporter is going to be the guy to go up to Kirby Smart and ask him about Jordan Davis and ask him about Trayvon Walker? And uh, the question is, Kirby, you had two guys that didn't produce all that much for you, and uh, NFL teams are saying that you might have been using them wrong, and they went in the top 15 in the NFL draft because NFL teams have a different plan than you – for using them, what say you? And I assume he'll say, well, I won a national championship. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, look at his defensive on the other numbers. Hand, yeah. Uh, yeah, did he maximize those guys? That's the question. Um, look, Jordan Davis reminds me a little bit of a latter-day Vince Wilfork. Um, the problem with that you know, comp is that Vince Wilfork was drafted in the early 2000s. And the game was different then, and he didn't go in the top 10. So uh, he went, like, I think it was 23 or 24, if I remember my 2003 draft class correctly. Uh, My response, if I'm Kirby Smart, is look at the league and look at the first round. It's my defense. He had five five first-round picks on defense last year in 2021. He could have seven more defensive players drafted tonight. And, oh, by the way, Jermaine Johnson doesn't count, and he started his career at Georgia. Like, I would, if I'm Kirby Smart and NFL teams ask me that, Armando, I point to the scoreboard, and I give them the middle finger. That's, that's, what I, that's well, my response. It's to not it. his job to have guys in position to, to play maximum NFL football either as they come into the league. Vince, Vince Wilfork, your memory is pretty good, 21st in 2004. Okay, so I was a little bit off. I'm sorry. I should have no, that was, studied that was good. on that draft 20 years ago. Hey, I believe Trey Burks and Zion Johnson are going earlier than what most people will expect. There will be a team that trades up for a wide receiver, and it will be for Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Do you agree or disagree? Because I, I put him at like third or fourth in my ranking of who I would want on my offense. 
So do you have him ahead of Dotson? Yes. I have him ahead of Dotson just based on the alpha mentality that he's shown consistently. And other than Garrett Wilson, I don't know if there's a more consistent player healthy. I'm taking Jamison Williams ahead of everyone. But Trey Burks is going higher than what people have him mocked. And I think a lot of it has to do with him playing at Arkansas instead of Ohio State. Well, I think a lot of it also has to do with 4-5 as opposed to 4-4 or 4-3. Teams want elite speed. 4-5 is good speed, not elite speed. Uh, but he's a big guy. He's produced. He's going to go in the first round. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with the Patriots. I know that they they met with him. I know that they like him. On the other hand, if he goes higher, then, you know, Jonathan, kudos to you, my brother. <laughs> so, Armando, I, I'm someone who loves all the draft, especially in the first round, start to finish. But I will say my attention span lags a little bit in the middle of the draft. I love to see what happens early with the top five. And then I'm the rare person who loves to see what happens late because there you have the teams that are actually really good. And they could draft anyone on the board to supplement what they're already doing. I think Buffalo is in an interesting spot in this draft because there's a lot of places they could go, and they're in a spot where they can add an immediate impact guy. Is that immediate impact guy going to be a running back, let's say Brees Hall, for instance, in this draft? What do you think about Buffalo and the spot they're in right now? Okay, so let me answer your question with a question. Okay. How good was Quint, how good was Quentin Spain? How good <laughs> was good. Roger Saffold? <laughs> Roger Saffold, really great player for Tennessee last year, because he is the starting a starting guard for the Buffalo Bills on a one year contract. Why want a guard for the next ten years uh, that I can get, or am I comfortable with the one year? 33-year-old Roger Saffold, who's gone from Tennessee, and we got him for, you know, a biscuit and a donut for one year. And can we get a running back later? Because, by the way, the running backs don't run on run out after the first round. There's a kid from Michigan State that's really good. Um, Kenneth Walker. Look, running backs, there's a reason that if one – you know, if one goes in the first round, it will be one. When you hear uh, late injury stuff, like as in this week, you uh, are you pretty quick to dismiss it as, as legit? Uh, N'Kobe Dean and Devin Lloyd, for example, stuff came out this week that they're, uh, they've got injury concerns. They're going to drop them to the second round. Does your alarm bell go off automatically that that's somebody posturing that wants N'Kobe Dean or Devin Lloyd? I saw so I saw Dean yesterday. I talked to him. I asked him. Looked healthy to me. He's walking around like he looked fine. I mean, he didn't put pads on and and do, you know, a 40-yard dash and a three-cone drill. But he looks fine to me. And, uh... I don't know. Look, let me guess. Anonymous sourcing, correct? Anonymous sourcing. I don't know. I, I think the, the eye test is important, Paul. You've heard that 
being in the Hall of Fame selector room, the eye test is important. I got an eye test on Dean yesterday. He looks fine to me. Armando, four years from now, five years from now, fifth-year option year, are we wrong about Kayvon Thibodeau? Are we looking back on this draft saying he was the best pass rusher and everyone passed on him because of his bravado and his arrogance and his cockiness? Is he the best pass rusher? Right, so right now we've got a story up on outkick.com where Joe Klatt, who is the outstanding NFL and college football analyst for Fox Sports, told me that Thibodeau, his meetings with teams were just not up to par with the other edge rushers in the class. And, you know, that's, that's a thing. That's legitimate right but sure. does that mean that he is going to fail when he gets on the field um i, I like the guy I, if again if i was running a draft i would be picking the production over the the workout warrior you know results and to me both Thibodeau and aiden hutchinson to me again better than Trayvon, you know, I, I get it. Trayvon ran a 4-5-1 at the combine. Awesome. I'm not going to play a track meet uh, on Sundays. It's a football game. So I want football players that make football plays uh, at football games. I don't want guys that can run really fast or just run really fast. When we were in New York for the Super Bowl a few years back, the city swallowed up that event. That was the one city that I was in where you couldn't really tell the Super Bowl was in town that week because it rolled right along. I picture Vegas as a similar story in that Vegas always just rolls right along no matter what's happening. What is Vegas like as a draft host city? When you walk out on the strip, Armando, can you immediately tell, oh, the NFL draft is here and there's no mistaking it? Oh, no, yeah, you can tell, uh, you know, so this morning I was getting a coffee and three surly New England Patriots fans behind me recognized me from my days covering the Dolphins. And then you're, they're like, oh, hey, Armando, the Dolphins suck. And yes, right. because I own the Dolphins personally. Uh, right? Like a fusion for Stephen Ross. For the Dolphins, the last 20 years of no playoff success. Uh, so you see that a lot around here. The signage is, is quite evident around here. Um, I would say that the draft has not been swallowed by the city, but neither has it taken over this town. I will say this, tonight, you know, there's a lot of shows in Vegas every night, but tonight the biggest show in Vegas is the NFL draft. Biggest surprise in the top 10 in your mock. I, we, we, we showed our mocks, mock draft that we turned into you for the consensus mock, and there will not be a 2.0, which I appreciate. Um, in your mock, Armando, and you had final say over the top 10, what was the biggest surprise to you in the mocks? Well, again, I, I, <laughs> the number one overall pick to me is a projection. And... God bless him. He's awesome. He's a great athlete. But he wasn't the most productive player at his position last year. 
or the year before or the year before that. And yet he's likely going to go number one tonight. And look, I may end up having to eat my words when he is in that room at the Hall of Fame selectors meeting, you know, 30 years from now. Of course, I'm not going to be in that room at that point, but whatever. Uh, and, And God bless him for it. But I just think that in a draft full of edge rushers, Avon Walker is not the best guy. That's that's what I got to say about that. What will you have coming later tonight at OutKick? So the New York teams are, they they basically own the top 10, right? They've got four out of the 10 spots. We're going to watch to see what they do. We're going to watch to see for position um, runs. I expect that there will be a wide receiver position run early on. There's obviously going to be a position run on edge rushers. We're going to monitor all of that. My guy, Matt Corral, I'm rooting for him because I'm hoping that I don't have to see him tomorrow for the second round. I'm hoping that he goes in the third. Yeah, you went under three and a half. You're not seeing him. You'll be seeing him tomorrow. That gives you a story for tomorrow. Maybe he's the third. Armando Salguero, outkick.com. Maybe he's the third. He's the third in my mock draft, Armando. If we don't see Armando. If you use more of my picks, you would have had him in there. If we don't don't see Armando tomorrow, that means he bet heavy and he's cashed out and he's headed home. That's right. uh, On Matt Corral being a first-round pick and being the third and final first-round quarterback of the 2022 NFL Draft. Armando, keep up the great work as usual. We'll be following along tonight at outkick.com. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Armando Salguero there. And, again, you can find his great work at OutKick.com, our NFL columnist. More headlines when we return, including the, the conference over-under, like the, the number of players expected from each conference. We know the SEC is dominant, but the, the rest of the crop is interesting for tonight's first round. That's next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Maybe you guys have seen this. Maybe our listeners and viewers have seen this. Outkick 360 rolls on. The over-under for SEC players expected to be selected tonight in the first round of the NFL draft. Where would you guys set the expectation? 11 and a half. Okay. I, I, it'd be a complete stab in the dark. I have not I'm seen it. That's a total r- guess. Rattle. I'll go uh, – Ten and a half. It's ten and a half on the on the dot, and consider <laughs> Jermaine Johnson was at Georgia for two years. Yeah, and then transferred to Florida State. So there's State. your eleven. There's your eleven and a half. Not a lot of debate about who's um, dominating college football right now. You know, meanwhile, the Big Ten could claim Jamison Williams, who was at Ohio State and then transferred, yeah. right? But ten and a half and, uh, for the SEC is the over under. Um, Malik Willis started at Auburn. And Malik yep. Willis. Um, and another, that's going to be another first-rounder. Big Ten, six-and-a-half over-under. Meanwhile, the ACC and the Pac-12 over-under four-and-a-half each in tonight's first round. 
is that's there where a that's where it cuts off? Is there a minor conference that's close? That where's the Big Twelve, for instance? I did not have the Big Twelve listed at Fanduel last night. I'm trying to think of Big Twelve guys that are projected to go in the first round. Yeah, I mean, hurdle. Uh, you have to go. I mean, it's hurdle. Uh, probably not a first round. There's no Oklahoma or Texas guys no. this or, year. Or so P- P- that's where that, you start every year. Hurdle. I'm, I'm saying is Oklahoma the, or Texas the, the Baylor uh, defensive back. Yeah, I'm not seeing him on many first-round mocks. No, he's borderline. Well, the the ACC and the big it, you have the pack, you have the Pac-12 with four and a half, but it's Big Ten SEC dominant, and that's the case every year. And that's what amazes me is the amount of turnover, where there are instances where you can see a Jermaine Johnson who's climbing boards, who I believe if he's if he's a part of Georgia's defense, there's no big deal about him being a top ten pick. Right, but now it's oh he's he's the big shock of the first round if if Houston wants to select him at number three. If he's a part of Georgia's defense, we're treating him like Trayvon Walker right now. Well Florida State wasn't very good right. you know, this year, so that's that's part of it. Yeah, it's it's he, look, was, it's, he was very good for them. Yes. Um man, that's incredible. But you look at just the Georgia defense. Right. I mean, put the Georgia defense against other conferences. Just one side of the football. And let's compare also. I think George Pickens is going to be a first-rounder on offense, but that's crazy know. to think about. George if you Pickens compare has some character concerns. the players who have either transferred out or have been drafted over the last two years, the 2020 Georgia defense would have 13 future first-round picks a part of that group. Crazy. Headlines next across OutKick 360.